God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Very thankful to be in church tonight. Amen. It's always good to be at the Palace of Praise. We love being here and um, thankful just to have a church to come home to. My home away from home. Good to see Grandma King. Hadn't had a chance to say hi to them yet. And uh, I give honor to Bishop and Sister King and, and honor to Pastor and Sister Sparks. So thankful, so thankful to have apostolic family. Amen. And uh, people ask me, I get text messages all the time. People, I just had one from Australia like three days ago, and they said, are you related to so-and-so green? And uh, there's there's greens all over the place, you know, and and um, and so I've kind of learned it's, it's a sort of a joke, probably an insensitive one, but when people ask me if I'm related to such and such green, I tell them if they're if they're charismatic or backslidden, then I'm related to them. <laughs> but if they're apostolic, they're probably not. Um, but uh, really, it's just me and my mother and my father, um, and the green side of the family who are living for God in truth, and I thank God for that. But but I was so thankful to be able to marry into a family and and. Uh, thankful that I that this church adopted me as well at least I hope you adopted me you haven't kicked me out yet but I'll do my best to, to stay in stay in your 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 good presence as long as I can but I want to go to a, a verse of scripture and I've used this scripture seems like every time I've preached and I, I think I've kind of figured out that this is just one of those scriptures you could probably use for any circumstance, situation, or even any any sermon. It's just one of those scriptures that that sort of just fits the mold for any need in any situation. Amen. And that scripture is found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 4. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 4. Amen. Man, it's good to hear pages flipping. Wow. You don't hear that much anymore. People, people don't bring their Bibles to church hardly anymore. But uh, it is so good to hear people flipping pages. It sounds like people have their Bible. Amen. Amen. I've always thought if you can't bring your Bible to church, where can you bring your Bible? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 4. And then we'll skip down to verse 8 through 10. And Paul says, he says, this I say, lest any man should beguile, that word means to deceive you with enticing words. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete. Everybody say complete. Amen. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Um, you don't have to turn there, but I want to read this other scripture very quickly. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. This is another verse of, of scripture that has ministered to me in devotion recently. And I feel it's appropriate for tonight. It says, um, for God says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
an acceptable time. A modern translation says it like this. At just the right time, I heard you. At just the right time, I heard you. I don't know if this is a title or just maybe sort of the thought that God gave to me, but my title tonight is a question that is, what do you want? Would you turn to somebody, if you have anybody next to you, and ask them that question, what do you want? What do you want? Amen. Amen. Would you help me and lift up your hands and could you help me pray for just a moment that we could usher in the presence of the Holy Ghost into our hearts, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. We've not come just for another average service, but we've come to hear your word. We've come to hear your voice. We've come to know your presence in a greater way that we might draw near to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've come to hear the word of God tonight, would you lift up your voice a little bit louder? If you've come to draw nearer to him, would you just praise him for a moment? Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we take this time to exalt uh, your holy presence. Uh, we take this time uh, to worship you in spirit uh, and in truth. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. As you can tell, my voice is not 100%. I think I've been in church almost every night the last three weeks. I told them last night, I said, I've been in enough church the last three weeks. They're going to upgrade me to first class on my way to heaven. Amen. We did. We had a great revival. Uh, Portland Pentecostals with Brother and Sister Hanson. And I had a great move of God there. Thankful. Thankful for what God is doing in this hour. And um, tonight, I'm especially thankful for what God is doing in Oregon. Amen. We've heard some reports and testimonies. Um, not, not enough. We don't hear enough of what's going on here. But when we do, when we do get uh, um, a letter <laughs> or a text or a call, it, it's always good to hear um, when the Lord is really moving at the Palace of Praise. Amen. Amen. If you know that God has been moving in... In a, in a great way here at the Palace of Praise of recent, would you say amen? Amen. I've, I've heard that there's been great prayer. There's been great intercession. There's been people baptized and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And there's been those who have gone astray, who have come back to the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And hallelujah, what a mighty God we serve. Are you thankful for what God is doing in this hour? Are you thankful for what God is doing in this church? Well, somebody clap your hands if you're thankful for what God is doing in this day. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. Got water here. Praise God. Crank up these monitors as loud as you can till you see blood oozing out of my ears. When you see the blood coming, just pull it back right there. Amen. Praise. Hey, there we go. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a good day that we are living in. I'm thankful for what God is doing. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied. I am very thankful, but I am not content. Is there anybody that feels that way tonight? 
I'm very thankful for what God is doing, but I am not content. Not one ounce, not for one second am I satisfied with what God is doing. I am very grateful and I'm very thankful. And I think that we ought to take a moment even now, but a moment every day to lift up our hands and say, look at what the Lord has done. We ought to wake up every morning of every day and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in this day. There ought to be a thankfulness in our heart, whether it's raining or the sun is shining, that we can lift up our eyes unto the hills and notice that God has done a mighty work in our lives. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen. Even in just this year alone, I was in Bangladesh and um, we saw over 5,000 Muslim and Buddhist people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Now, I'm going to take just a few seconds and say this and you may... You can, you can judge this for what it is, but I get people, and we all do, because when you're, when you're living for God, you're going to have critics, and when you're doing things for God, people are going to criticize you, and that's fine with me, you know. But I, just, just to give a little bit of understanding, when we go and, and we see uh, overseas, uh, people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we don't even write down a number, we don't write down a record until the national minister's and missionaries have contacted us and they have gotten names and info on every person that has received the gift of the Holy Ghost and those are the numbers that we report and oftentimes we feel like the numbers that we report are even more conservative than what God has done and we're thankful to report the numbers and the numbers are important because there is a book called Numbers and also in the book of Acts they said about 3,000 but ultimately, I'm just thankful that God is filling people with the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In Bangladesh, it was amazing because they had never had a crusade of this sort in the nation of Bangladesh. And we had a team of several men and a, couple, and a few wives, women of God that were there. And we all gathered there in Bangladesh. And then we had to take a plane to the, the city where we would have that that crusade and I remember when we got on that plane it was a little bit uh, uh, well we were a little bit afraid just a little bit because that same this same year there had been several planes of that airline go down <laughs> and crash leaving no survivors so so I don't know if it was the Holy Ghost or if it was fear but the moment we sat down on that plane there was at least 200 people on that plane and most of them probably 150 of them Muslim and Buddhist people which occupies that nation and the 30 or so of us apostolic people they we, we, we paid our respects of uh, to them while they prayed their prayer uh, they all pray their prayer uh, to Allah when they're taking off they all pray a prayer it's led over the microphone um, from the flight attendant and and she led the prayer to Allah and they all repeated that prayer together to Allah as we were about to take off and when they finished well we started praying to our God and and we started and we didn't pray a little lay me down to sleep prayer and whisper and we thought if they can if they can do it with boldness we ought to be able to do it with boldness if they can pray to a God that is not God we ought to be able to pray to a God that is God with boldness and with authority 
Let me just pause right there for station identification and let you know that we are apostolic Pentecostal Christian people and we ought to have a boldness that allows us to speak without fear, to walk without compromise, to act without acquiescing to the culture and society of which we live. We ought to be who we are inside the church and outside the church. Amen. The Lord just gave me a little thought a couple weeks ago that, that I should never, I should never validate my relationship with God just on my Sunday worship. We all can worship here in church on Sunday. And the Lord just kind of dropped it in my heart and said, you ought to validate your walk with me. You ought to validate your relationship with me more on your walk on Monday than your worship on Sunday. <laughs> what would it look like if you compared your worship, your Sunday worship to your Monday walk? Did that convict you? Because it did me. You don't have to hide conviction. You say, oh, yeah, that's me. You hit me. Because it hit me first. I'm just delivering you what, what God hit me with. Slapped me upside the head one day and said, man, you, you worship real good on Sunday, but you don't walk so good on Monday. You know why? Because it's easy to worship on Sunday. It's easy to come into church when we've got 100 people all worshiping together. But what does my walk look like when I don't feel the emotions of the worship team leading me into his presence and I don't feel the presence of God exuding from the preached word of God? What do I do? How do I walk? When the feeling is gone, the faith is gone, do I walk by feeling or do I walk by faith? Well, somebody say amen. Amen. And so we started praying and there was tongues and interpretation at 30,000 feet in that airplane. We started, somebody started speaking in tongues and we knew it was the gift of tongues. Everybody started hushing down and there was tongues and interpretation and, and the interpretation on the airplane 30,000 feet above the nation of Bangladesh. God spoke and said, I have brought you to this nation for such a time as this because I desire to fill over one million people in Bangladesh with the gift of my spirit in the next four years. He said, the moment you step foot onto this soil of Bangladesh I will be with you I will go with you and I will confirm my power I feel like the Lord is trying to give us an enticement tonight of what he wants to do in your life, in your job, in your world, in your relationships. What do you want tonight? Are you satisfied with what you've got or are you hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost? And we landed in 
that first night it was almost a dud it was almost a fail because they we, we had never done a crusade over there and, and so we had a team meeting and we had Brother Robinette and Nathan Herod Nathan Herod is known he's he's used mightily in the gifts of healing and, and so we we did what and I, I've never met Billy Cole but Billy Cole taught these guys and they said the first night we're going to have a healing service so that everybody's healed of everything and, and the word will go out and it'll build a bigger and bigger crowd by that last night and we'll have a Holy Ghost service and so the first night we decided well there might be 10,000 people here and about 20 to 30 of us there's no way in heaven we can lay hands on everybody so and Brother Herod said okay well we've got enough faith just to speak the word of faith so we're going to speak the word of faith tonight and so um, we had a great service and he spoke the word of faith to about seven or so thousand people in attendance and when he spoke the word of faith for those seeking healing he said how many of you were just healed and I kid you not three hands went up now we praise God for the three hands that felt healing that night, but man, there was about 7,000 seeking, and we thought, what, okay, well, what went wrong there? We were thinking, come on, Herod, did you pray or not, you know? <laughs> thought you were the big man of gifts of healing, you know? He's, he's a missionary in Spain. <laughs> thought, this ain't Spain, baby, come on, you got to gear it up a little bit, you know? He spoke the word of faith again. About one or two hands went up. He spoke the word of faith a third time and no hands went up. And missionary brother James Corbin, he realized. And, and when he said this, it made sense because we had seen their culture and they're very touchy-feely people. <laughs> uh, my wife knows my love language ain't touch, you know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes he's like, don't touch me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so touchy-feely that even the guys who are, who are heterosexual men, they hold hands just as friends. No big deal. They're very touchy-feely people. In fact, they're so touchy-feely that I got out there and started worshiping during the worship service. I got a video of this. I got a video of most of the things I'll say tonight. But this was, this was one of the funniest things I got on camera. I'm out there just worshiping, going crazy with all these people. And, and I put my arm around a couple guys and we're dancing for Jesus and with Muslim and Buddhist people. All of a sudden, I I feel these two guys grab me from behind the knee and pick me up and they start throwing me in the air and I'm crowd surfing at a Holy Ghost crusade it wasn't a Metallica concert And I started screaming, put me down. I literally thought I would either be rebuked by the man of God or struck by lightning by God himself. I was shouting, put me down, put me down. And they finally put me down and I ran out of there. <laughs> and uh, we, we spoke the word of faith several times. Didn't happen. So Brother Corbin said, you know what? I think their faith is not where our faith is. I don't think their faith is where our faith is. But it doesn't matter. If they have a little bit of faith, if they have just a little bit of faith. See, let me say this. What you have may not be a lot, but what you have is enough. Because the scripture says in Colossians 2.9, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10 is for us, and you are complete where? In him. That's why Jesus could look at that little that, that, that poor lady who gave two coins in the offering while all the other religious people were putting tons of money in there and he said she gave more than all the rest of them combined. Why? Because while they were giving out of their abundance she gave everything she had. What she gave was not a lot but what she gave was enough. Which is why we can come into church and declare I will bless the Lord at all times.
You don't have to say, well, wait till my faith meter is a 28. No, you can come in in a 2.8. You can be, oh yeah, you can come in completely defeated and discouraged and depressed. You can come in after a night of failure, a night of toiling. You can come into the house of God and say, God, I've only got two pennies of faith. I've only got two pennies of a praise. I've only got two pennies of a shout. But what I've got is good enough for you well somebody lift up your hands for just a moment hallelujah Jesus I feel like speaking to somebody tonight stop looking at what you've got and start realizing that if I could just put it in the hands of God it would become complete when it's in my hands it's deficient but when it's in his hands it's enough I got a sermon to preach and I got to get to it but longer story short we started laying hands on those people and it took several hours. In fact, I saw things that I've never seen before. I literally saw people started laying hands. They would touch me or touch one of our men of God and then lay hands on someone else. Now you say, well, that's, that's just wrong. Misapplied, misappropriated, misguided, misunderstood, but it was faith. I kid you not, we have videos of all this stuff. I was at one point speaking the word of faith because Brother Herod was about to pass out of exhaustion and and I'm standing there and people are reaching for my shoes and they would touch their, my shoes and then put their hand on their head. I think, I, I literally got angry. I'm like, what are y'all doing looking at me? Like, you know, Peter and John said, why would you look at us as if it was my holiness? Why would you look at me? But these people, they're Muslim and Buddhist people. They didn't know what to reach for. They're, they're just reaching for something. They're hungry. And Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I stepped back, and I promise you this is the God, God's honest truth. I stepped back, and where I was standing, they were rubbing that spot and then putting it on their heads and their bodies. I literally was standing there with a microphone in my head when I watched one lady with a goiter on her neck. She rubbed the carpet where I was standing and then put her hand right here, and that goiter disappeared just like that. I watched people who laid their hands on their own heads and received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. And when, watch this when we started activating where their faith was we started making contact with them and laying hands the Bible does speak of laying hands upon the sick Jesus does say these signs will follow them that believe in my name if you lay hands on the sick we do believe in the working of laying upon of hands don't we And I believe in submission to our leadership. I do. But what if there is no pastor there who has all the answers? Like in this midst of 7,000 people, there wasn't 7,000 pastors to tell each and every one of them. They started laying hands on each other and they weren't even licensed ministers yet. Hadn't paid their tithes yet. But God said, I'm looking for hunger. Because hunger tells, watch this, hunger tells me what you want. 
And the Bible says, faith that worketh by love. Oh, let me remind you, love is unconditional. Now, I'm not talking about holiness right now. I'm not talking about your relationship just yet. I'm talking about just getting into his presence. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have every duck in a row. If you just have an ounce of hunger that says, God, I want you more than anything else. You may not look the part. You may not dress the part. You may be downright dirty, but if you are hungry, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Why? Because dogs are hungry. I may not get the whole buffet, but if I could just get a piece of your power, if I could just get a remnant of your blessing, if I could just get a portion of your presence. Ah, is anybody hungry tonight? Hallelujah. By the end of that night, it took hours and hours, and we counted over 6,000 testimonies of people that had been healed miraculously by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. It was so powerful that the governor, the Muslim governor of that region, all white, decked out in all white, stood there for hours just like this. He started walking up, and he went up to Brother Corbin, shaking with tears streaming down his face. And he was obviously shaken inside. He said, Mr. Corbin, what kind of magic are you guys involved with? He says, because I've seen every kind of witchcraft, every kind of witch doctor there is around here, but I've never felt anything like this before. He said, what kind of magic is this? And Mr. Corbin, uh, Brother James Corbin, our missionary over there, he said, this ain't any magic, Bubba. He said, this is the power of the Holy Ghost. This is the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that you've been introduced to the power of the Holy Ghost? Oh, lift up your hands another time and let the Lord know I've got to have you more than I've ever had in my soul tonight. Hallelujah. We went from there and we went to Athens, Greece, where, where Danielle got to speak at the ladies' conference there, the European Middle Eastern countries, and, and we stayed over for Sunday and we saw 12 people in the city of Athens, Greece, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I just got back a few weeks ago from Davao, which is a city in the nation of the Philippines, and in that in that crusade, God filled over 1,500 people with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I rode with, I rode with one pastor for three hours. I, we preached at 37 different churches 
churches as churches uh, on one Sunday morning, uh, and they sent me to the furthest church for whatever reason. Uh, and it was a three-hour drive, I mean, through the back roads, and it was some of the most gorgeous countryside I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and uh, we just kept driving and kept driving and kept driving. I'm thinking, there ain't going to be no church out here, man. We'd bring some cows through or something. And, and um, we finally got to this church where there was about 200 people there, and people that came barefoot, people that came with nothing. And in that service, we saw over 30 people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And in, in one of those services, and I'm sorry, I should have given them all this in video and picture, but it just takes so long. And I've literally, I've got the photo and video of this when they brought up a five-year-old crippled boy in a wheelchair. They brought him up on the platform. I said, oh God. <laughs> You know, it's a little bit too much for my faith. And I like them when they're out here, when, you know, whatever, I can kind of blend in with the crowd. They brought this five-year-old crippled boy. They set him front and center in that platform. But there was so much faith. It would have been impossible for something not to happen. That five-year-old boy just sat there as men and women started praying for him in the name of Jesus. And I've got a photo of the moment he felt his legs for the first time. And then I've got the video of that boy coming out of the chair Walking across the platform, uh, that five-year-old crippled boy, uh, God filled him uh, with healing power that we've got locked up uh, inside of our spirit tonight. Uh, for greater is he uh, that is in you than he that is in the world. Just two months ago, it was in uh, Romulus, Michigan, there at Pastor Art Wilson's church, and we saw many people filled with the Holy Ghost. And what was amazing is, and and uh, leading up to this, leading up to this service, and I, I do have a sermon, but I may not get to it. But uh, leading up to this service, I had been a part of two services that were conference type services where the Lord spoke in tongues and interpretation. And the first one, God spoke and said, "Right now, everybody say right now." Yeah, yeah, God said, right now, I am sending an exponential harvest of my glory, of my power, of my spirit, of my truth. I'm sending an exponential harvest, an exponential revival. I'm sending it right now. And, uh, and then like a couple of services later, the Lord spoke at another conference in, in tongues interpretation. And this was like back-to-back -back weeks or maybe two weeks apart from each other, the Lord spoke and said, he said, um, I, uh, he said, because my coming, my rapture, my second coming is so near and so close, I am speeding up the process. I am expediting the process of which I answer prayers. He said, I'm speeding up the process of which I draw people closer to me. See, what used to take somebody maybe 20 years to get through all of their muck and their mess and through all of their transgressions and iniquity, what used to take a long time to get through all of that and a 12-step program here and a 20-step program there, I believe that we don't have 20 more years to wait for people to be drawn with conviction by the fire of the Holy Ghost. I really believe that we are in the last days and that God is drawing all men unto Him. I believe that 
that God is drawing all sorts of manner of lost souls into his presence. I just have enough faith to believe that God is seeking and saving those who are lost but hungry. And so there at Brother Wilson's church, uh, um, we happened to see, uh, I didn't know because I'm just a guest and I don't know, you know, whatever guests from not guests. And I'm just praying for people. There's boom, 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 six people got the Holy Ghost just like that. And Brother Wilson came up to me and he said, he said, did you realize? He said, those six people that just got the Holy Ghost, they are all chronic seekers. He said, that lady's been seeking for about 30 years. And that young man's been seeking for about 10 years. And this boy over here has been seeking for several years. And I said, wow, praise God. I didn't know that. He said, we've been praying and fasting for these people for such a long But you know what's happening, God's saying we ain't got time for you to tarry anymore. I'm coming back. I'm on my way back. And, God, and, and Brother Wilson said, there's one more you got to go pray for. And I went and prayed for 17-year-old brother. His name is Kobe. And I started praying for Kobe. And we prayed for 30 minutes. Talk about tarrying. And we tarried for a while, 30 minutes. And I prayed and I, we, we went after it. And I, I gave instruction and I did everything I knew to do, could do, everything I didn't know to do. And, and I finally asked him a question. I said, I, I, I said, what is stopping you? Is there something that's stopping you? I ask that question all the time because really the only thing that can stop me from God is me. That's another sermon for another time. But, but I said, what is stopping you? And very rarely do people actually give me a specific answer. Most of the time they say, I don't know. And probably there's a few things in the back of their mind swirling around there. I don't know. And then there's other times where they give me too, too much information. You know, they did, they did, they did. Whoa, hey. You know, and this young man, 17-year-old Kobe, he said, he said, yeah, there's a problem. I said, what is it? He said, unbelief. I was amazed. When he said, unbelief, he said, I just don't believe enough. I don't believe enough. In other words, he was saying, I believe, but there's a little bit of unbelief there. And I said, Kobe, you just messed up. He said, what are you talking about? I said, the simple fact that you just confessed to me that you are struggling with unbelief just proved to me how much faith you really do have. Because it takes some kind of faith to step up to the plate and say, I'm struggling with unbelief. Because a lot of us who've been raised in church, we're too strong to admit we're weak. Unbelief is my problem. I said, oh, Bubba, you got more faith than you really know. And I told another man that said, I've got belief. He said, but help my unbelief. And I said, oh, th and this is a little crazy. This is one of those on the, on the, you know, on the branch out there. So, you know, we'll see how this flies. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, Kobe, look, you listen to this. I said, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? He said, no, I've never been baptized in Jesus' name. I said, okay. I said, do you want the Holy Ghost? He said, I want the Holy Ghost. I'm just struggling with unbelief. I said, well, this is what I see in the scripture. The scripture says in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every, if you know it, quote it with me, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall 
That's a promise, right? But the promise follows your obligation to be baptized. If you're baptized, it becomes a promise. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh God. I'm going to say right here. And if it's, if it's real stupid, just take the mic. And I said, if you do your obligation of being baptized, him filling you with the Holy Ghost becomes his obligation. Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, see, but in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house, they were filled with the Holy Ghost first. And guess what? When God did what he wanted to do and filled with the Holy Ghost first, watch this. It now became their obligation to follow that act of grace up with what? With baptism. So God can do either one of them. He can baptize you first or fill you first. But we know they must, they both must take place. So I said, so Kobe, let's try this out. I never said this before. I said, Kobe, how about you go do what you're obligated to do and be baptized. And then when you come out of the water, I prophesy to you that God will perform what he is obligated to do. And I got this on my phone in video too. But I looked over for somebody to lead him to the back. I didn't know where the baptistry was. Didn't know where to take him, you know, to get changed. So I looked for a man. I saw a little, you know, CIA walkie-talkie earpiece thing. I said, he must be an usher. I said, hey, man. I said, this guy wants to be baptized. Can you take him where to go? He said, he wants to be baptized? I said, yes, sir. Can you take him where to go? He said, I just can't believe he wants to be baptized. I said, why not? He said, because that's my son. streaming down his face that's my boy he said his mom and I have been praying for years because he stopped coming to church this is his first service back and I can't even believe he was in the altar I can't believe he wants to be baptized they marched him over and get baptized I got the video he came out of the water didn't even have a chance to catch a breath and he was speaking in other tongues as God filled him with the Holy Ghost and that night and and that night brother Will I got this on video too brother Wilson was announcing all the people that had been filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus name that morning and when he got to Kobe he didn't look at Kobe he looked at Kobe's mom and said hey joy who got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost joy stood up and started running around the entire sanctuary she grabbed Kobe by the hand and they took off running do you know why because God had answered her prayer after years of sacrifice after years That's why God said in 2 Corinthians 6.2, At just the right time, I heard you. You thought I wasn't listening. You thought I was neglecting. You thought I was ignoring. I was listening. And at just the right time, here comes my grace. At just... 
at just the right time. Here comes my power. I've been waiting for just the right moment. Five minutes. Let me preach a little bit for a second. I'm cutting out all my notes but one part. And somebody said, thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't give them this verse. But I'm going to read it. I guess me and my wife are compromised because both of us read for the New Living Translation. But just listen to this for a second. Watch this. Bishop, when we were in worship, I felt the Lord deal with me about this question. What do you want? There's two things I felt like God put in my spirit. And I didn't really have a sermon for this, so I'm just kind of piecing all this together. That what you have and what you receive is determined by where you're positioned. And then what you said is what I felt before you got up here, that where you're positioned deals with who you listen to. Okay, watch. So just listen, okay? New Living Translation, they don't have that. It's my fault. Deuteronomy 13, 6 and 11. 6 through 11. 13, 6 through 11. Watch this. Suppose someone secretly entices you, even your brother or your son or your daughter or your beloved wife. Now, it doesn't say this in here, but I'm going to add this. Or your beloved husband. Or your closest friend. That's what it says. I didn't add that one. And they entice you by saying, let us go worship other gods. Gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. They might suggest that you worship the gods of peoples who live nearby or who come from the ends of the earth. Verse 8, watch this, but here is your charge. You ready? Head nod, amen, anything. Are you ready? Verse 8, but do not give in or listen. Have no pity and do not spare or protect them. Verse 9, you ready? Losing them. You must put them to death. Is that the Bible or the Quran? Oh, it's the Bible. You must put them to death. Strike, uh oh, the first blow. See, when you strike the first blow, it means it's not self defense. See, you can stay out of prison. On the premise of self-defense. Well, it wasn't my fault. I, I didn't strike the first blow. They hit me first. I retaliated. I reacted. God says, this is too essential for you not to be reactionary. Don't be reactive in this. Be proactive in this, he says. Cut it off first. Strike the first blow first. Watch this. And then... All the people must join in. Sounds like a fun party, don't it? No more pinatas. 
It's going to hang people up and beat them until candy falls out. Verse 10, are you ready? Losing them, I thought so. Stone the guilty ones to death because they have tried to draw you away from the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. Then all Israel will hear about it and be afraid and no one will act so wickedly again. Why was this passage put in there? Oh, 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 because y'all are so nervous, let, let me make sense real fast. What is a physical law or principle in the Old Testament is a spiritual law or principle in the New Testament. And everybody said, You thought, I got to kill some people. (laughs) Let me just tell you what the Holy Ghost is saying right now. It's time to kill the voice of compromise. How could you say compromise in a church like this? We're the holiest church in UPC. Oh, because compromise doesn't just have to do with standards. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. And compromise compromise doesn't just have to do with salvation. Wait. Here we go. You can go to heaven compromised in certain areas. Watch this. You can go to heaven complacent. You just can't take anybody with you. Okay, good. I was waiting for something. He said, wow, which I don't know if that's good wow or bad wow, but <laughs> see, you can go to heaven complacent. I got the Holy Ghost. I've been, I've been baptized. Sat in church for 83 years. And we think the devil lost because I went to heaven. When the devil's laughing over here in the corner because the people you were supposed to take with you did not go because he compromised, not your salvation, your ministry. On earth as it is in heaven. I don't just want salvation in heaven. I want salvation on earth. See, we didn't realize the devil had a plan B. His plan A, for most of us, has been hindered and destroyed. His plan A was to get you to hell. But if we've convinced him that plan A ain't going to work against me, then he'll move to plan B and say, okay, I can't get you to hell, so I'll silence your shout, and I'll compromise your Christianity, and I'll dilute your devotion so that nobody can go to heaven with you. And the best way he can distract you and divide you and destroy you is with si- or small voices of deception. Because small deception always produces great division. If I can subtly deceive, I can greatly destroy. So where did this scripture come to pass? Why did they write this? Oh, it had to do with Numbers chapter 11. Forgive me, 45 minutes. Hold on. You see, in Numbers chapter 11, they had come out of Egypt, but they were still attached to Egypt. 
and I forget what chapter it is, but it's somewhere in Exodus where God tells them about the Passover. He gives them the law for the Passover. And he says this. He says, don't let just anybody join in on the Passover. He said, make sure that the only people that, that partake of the Passover are, and I'm paraphrasing, are those that are fully in this thing, that are completely sold out, that have made up their mind they'll do whatever it takes. But in the same chapter, the Bible says that the Israelites allowed the mixed multitude. The modern translation calls them the rabble. Everybody say rabble. Yeah, yeah, the rabble. It says they allowed the rabble to join them. The same chapter God said, don't let just anybody be part of this Passover thing. I'm looking for those who are sold out and devoted. Watch, who's the rabble? Okay, the rabble were half-breeds. They had a Hebrew mother, but an Egyptian father. Halfway in, halfway out. I've known some people that had a Hebrew mother and an Egyptian father. They went to church on Sundays, but their God was the world on Monday. I've been that. Anybody else been that with me? Maybe just me. I, I've been that too many times. I don't want to tell. It says they were half-breeds. Here, here's the definition. You ready? Have, have I lost you? Okay. They were a group of ordinary people, average and disorderly, average. They have no distinct purpose or direction. They are simply followers by peer pressure. They follow along because they have nothing better to do. They are the people who make their living on the fringes. And these people were given a voice of influence in the nation of Israel in Numbers 11. The Bible says in verse 1, it says... Watch this, and I'll be done here in just a second. It says in verse 1, Numbers 11, it says, Soon the people began to complain about their hardship, and the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Verse 4, watch this. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain. The Israelites didn't complain until they allowed the voice of compromise to complain first. But they didn't kill the compromise. So their loss of appetite affected their appetite. Watch this. Their lack of... And watch what the people of Israel said in verse 4. They said, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. Verse 5, we remember the fish we used to eat, watch this, for free. Everybody say, what? For free? 430 years of slavery, slavery, working 18 hours a day. I mean, beaten to a bloody pulp every day. You call that free? Because when you allow enticing voices uh, that are disguised with compromise uh, influence your life, you remember, you begin to remember things a little bit differently than how they used to be. People say, you know what, I think I could do that and still go to heaven. I think it wasn't so bad when I drank and did drugs, and it wasn't so bad when I listened to this and do that. It wasn't so bad when I lived that life. Man, it wasn't so bad when I didn't have to pay tithes and go to church and worship like that. It wasn't so bad. And we begin to remember things of a false reality. All right, 
All right. I don't know if I got you with me or not, but I'm going to preach this into the atmosphere regardless because I feel this under unction of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says in verse 5, we used to eat for free in Egypt. And they said, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. Watch this, verse 6. Here it is. This, is, this shows us where their appetites were misguided. It says, but now our appetites are gone and all we ever see is this manna. That's called complacency. That's called ungrateful. What was manna? Exactly, what was it? That's the definition of it. What is it? They couldn't even define what it is. They didn't have a vocabulary for it. Watch this. It was so divine, they didn't know how to explain it. It was provision that had never been recorded in the history of time before. Every morning, they could wake up and they could find fresh provision of His love and grace right at their doorstep every day, which is where we get the scripture that His mercies are new every morning. Every day, they could wake up and say, Hey, baby, supper's ready. We got food right here. It was the divine miraculous of the Holy Ghost. And they allowed themselves to get to a place where they could say, All we have is this manna. God, help me never get to a place where I say, All we have is this dumb church. All we have is just good preaching. All we have are just people delivered of sin, raised from the dead, healed of sickness, filled with the Holy Ghost. All we ever have is just good church. All we ever have is just a move of God. What do you mean that's all we ever have? That's all I ever want to have is the manna provided from glory. have time because I went too long but let me tell you the loudest voice of compromise that will speak into your life it is not Lucifer who's now Satan or whatever you want to call him it's this voice right here between my ears between my shoulders under my rib cage is a heart that is deceitfully wicked is a heart the Bible says that will condemn me and try to destroy me and try to dilute me it's a heart that says you're not good enough. It's a heart that says you don't deserve it. It's a heart that says you're not worthy. It's a heart that says go back to Egypt. It's a heart that says the process and pain is not worth the promise. It's a heart that is deceitfully wicked. But the Bible says that God is greater than my heart. God You can play pretty all you want, but I know I'm talking to somebody. I know that there are people that have been deluded and deceived by your own heart that says you can't do it. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be worthy enough. I know what you did yesterday. I saw the prison you were in last year. I saw the addiction. I saw the failure. 
But there's a God of grace crying out tonight saying, My grace is more than enough. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, Paul spoke under the unction of the Holy Ghost and said, my strength is made perfect. You know what those two words mean? Works best. Works best. God said, my strength, not your strength, my power works best when I find somebody who's weak, when I find a weakness, when I find a brokenness, when I find an addiction. I wish you'd lift up your hands. I wish you'd respond to what the Lord is trying to say tonight he's reaching for you he's drawing you there's greater things for you there's more power for you Response is birthed by hunger. It's not birthed by anointing. It's not birthed by success. Response to the word of God is birthed through a desperate hunger that says, God, just say a word. Just say a word. Just speak a word. Just speak into my soul. I'm hungry. Just speak a word into my spirit. You can stand to your feet or sit down. I don't care. Do what you feel to do tonight. Let me tell you what's just happened. There's a reason, Pastor. This is not a word of indictment. This is a word of encouragement and faith. See, conviction. Hang on. Hang on, Damien. We don't need music right now. See, it's easy to think, oh, man. This is hard. This is. See, anybody that ever got in the presence of God, they trembled, they shook, they fell to the floor. That doesn't mean that God wants to step on our face. He's drawing you closer to his presence. And watch this. Anytime you get closer to God, two things happen. The more you see of him and the more you see of yourself. And so there's like this dichotomy of experience, this paradox of progress when you draw closer to him that in a sense you feel spiritual, but in a sense you feel more carnal. This church, I can feel it when we walked in. There, we're, we're, we're in a season right now of pressing into him, into his presence. There's a devotion in this church that hasn't been here for some time. People that haven't been truly sold out for a season all of a sudden they've caught the vision again Dan told me this I can feel it in this room right now there's certain people who are saying hey I'm ready to get back on board here let's go let me tell you what God is doing in this hour just two months ago you stay standing two months ago one of our good friends John Feld and Tracy Feld over in Myrtle Beach is a long story. I'll tell it in two seconds. They called me and said, we are baptizing uh, Catholic people. I mean, 
by the droves right now. They're all getting the Holy Ghost at our church. I said, what happened? He said, well, I challenged our young people to start a nursing home ministry. They went the following Saturday and did a service at the nursing home. The Catholic priest of a mega Catholic church, 10,000 people, was there just doing visits and overheard our young people singing and walked in and heard them speaking in tongues. And he was amazed and he went up to some of them and said, where are you guys from? This is amazing. Who is your pastor? He connected to Pastor John Feld, one of our Pentecostal pastors. They started doing Bible studies and this Catholic priest said, I'm a charismatic Catholic. Brother Feld said, I didn't think you could put those two words in the same sentence. He said, what's a charismatic Catholic? He said, well, this is what we are. He said, we are people that are convinced that the infilling of the Holy Ghost is going to restore the Catholic Church. He said, we believe in the name of Jesus, and we believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And by the way, he said, there's over 100 million of us around the world that are waiting for this restoration to happen. Then he made a mistake and said, can we borrow your church on Saturday to have a prayer meeting? He said, sure, come on in, Saturday, sure. He said, oh, and can that group that was singing at the nursing home sing some songs? He said, sure. He said, oh, and Pastor Phil, can you maybe speak to us for a few minutes? He said, sure. He said, what do you want me to speak on? He said, why don't you preach that the Holy Ghost is about to fill every Catholic person in the world with the Holy Ghost? He said, I can preach on that. That Catholic priest asked for five minutes to speak. He got up to, John Feld told me, he said, Chris, you wouldn't believe it. When he got in the pulpit, I thought he was one of our Pentecostal preachers. He started preaching about Azusa Street and Topeka, Kansas, and the restoration of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that happened in North America. He said, I couldn't believe a Catholic man was preaching about Azusa Street. Then he started prophesying, and it's about to happen in our churches. He said, Chris, by the time I got up there, they were so hungry. I just began to speak the word of faith. And I got a video of this too. All, every person that was in that service was slain in the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. And watch, I told you all that to say this. Brother Feld's wife is the prayer coordinator of that district. She is one of the most praying women and people I've ever met in my life. And just before all of that took place, she was praying and fasting. She said God gave her a vision and over North America, there was a dark cloud uh, and there was this darkness uh, this, this, uh, it was a division from God she was seeing it from a bird's eye view but all of a sudden there were little sparks of fire that began to flame uh, around North America and this is what her mind started to do she started, she wanted to write these places down okay where is that uh, okay that's Oklahoma, who passes there okay that's New York, who passes over there and God spoke to her and said this is not happening exclusive to, your to the United Pentecost church. He said, my spirit is looking for people who are devoted and hungry for my truth and my presence and where I find devotion and where I find sacrifice. I will pour out my spirit. What does that do in your mind right now, in your spirit right now, to know, God, not only do we have the truth, but we've got the devotion, we've got the passion, we've got the prayer, we've got the sacrifice, we've got the investment, and we've got the hunger.
Your prayer is not in vain. Your sacrifice is not in vain. Your labor shall not be in vain. God's saying right now, at just the right time, I heard you. Behold, now is that time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I pray that you would let your hunger draw you to him right now. Let your hunger draw you to him right now. Let your hunger draw you to him right now. I want you to show God how hungry you are by your response right now. I want you to show the Lord how hungry you are based upon your response right now. Oh God, I'm so hungry, Lord, for your presence. I'm so hungry for your spirit. I've got to have it more than anything else. I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your word. I've got to have your voice. I've got to have revival in my life. I've got to have demonstration demonstration in my home I've got to have my joy back I've got to have my peace back I've got to have my anointing back I've got to have my victory back I'm hungry for it I'm hungry for it God come on let your hunger outweigh your failure. Let your hunger outweigh your failure. Let your hunger outweigh your past. Let your hunger outweigh your situation. Let your hunger overwhelm your mistakes.